0: Today is Friday, April the 9th, and this is episode number 24 of the Khan Wealth Advisory podcast series. I'm Asif Khan, Wealth Advisor with BMO Private Wealth. I see many with spring in their step. A great sign at this time of the year is the number of people taking off their winter tires. One wonderful positive from the pandemic is that I believe we all appreciate the spring and summer and ability to be outdoors more than ever. So here's hoping for an awesome summer for all of us. I believe as of today, we will have over 7.2 million Canadians vaccinated with at least one shot. And perhaps by the end of the weekend, the number will get closer to 8 million, which I believe is about 20% of the entire population. The U.S. has been faring better. They have close to 20% of their entire population fully vaccinated. That's actually both shots. And over 55% of those over the age of 65 that are fully vaccinated. Biden or President Biden may be on track to get 200 million people vaccinated with at least the first shot in his first 100 days in office. They had been vaccinating between 2 to 4 million people per day in the U.S., an incredible amount. We've been averaging around 200,000 a day. We need to double that number quickly. Worldwide, the U.K. is close to 50% of first-dose vaccinations completed. The U.S. is close to 35%. Canada is now actually at 15%. And France, Italy and Germany are all just under 15%. And surprisingly, Japan and Australia are only near 1%. With the third or fourth waves having begun in many places, the general feeling is that the rise in numbers and fatalities has to be less than previous waves as more people are getting vaccinated and especially those over the age of 65 Additionally, current research shows that the existing suite of vaccines should actually do a reasonable job combating the South African and Brazilian variants. The supply outlook continues to improve as well for the various vaccines as production partnerships are starting to emerge. For example, Merck and and Sanofi are helping to produce the J&J vaccine. Also, it appears that the studies on younger people will likely allow children to be vaccinated as well. So hopefully the pandemic has begun its retreat with vaccinations in full gear and the elusive herd immunity rapidly approaching. With that, our mental health and the economy should be ready to soar, though it could be argued that it already has. Personally, I'm quite amazed at how little economic damage has been done during the second wave and how markets barely swayed. Of troubling note, of course, while the Western world is on track to have full vaccinations completed this year... Much of the developed world will still be dealing with the pandemic, and it will take time, logistics, and the friendly purse of the Western world to help them out. So there's still many unknowns here. What will the trajectory of the virus be? The possible need of boosters next year? The economic recovery in different parts of the globe, the path to full employment again, the behavior of the consumer who finds herself with more money than ever before, and the eventual responses of the government on overheating economies. At some point, I believe we must reasonably expect that there will be some sort of inflation, U.S. dollar depreciation, possible Canadian dollar appreciation, and rising interest rates. The obvious question then is how do we prepare? First, we don't know if any of what I have conjectured will actually happen, nor how the markets will react to it. Therefore, the only way to deal with it is to have goals, a plan, and a portfolio to look after said goals and plan. If your goals haven't changed, then don't change your plans. It's really that simple. After all, how does one lose money when world markets have consistently grown more than inflation and taxes for over 100 years? Many of you heard me say that as we get more and more of us vaccinated, we will be out in full force during, doing the things we did before and more of it. I posted a chart in LinkedIn that showed that the average Australian ate out on average twice per week prior to the start of COVID. Now that Australia's case count is in the single digits daily, their average number of times that they dine out has doubled to four times per week. Americans, Canadians, and Europeans will all want to dine out, travel, shop, catch a game, and much, much more. The consumer has the ability to spend, and we will most likely see a powerful recovery this year and perhaps for a few more years after. Amazingly, people are booking cruises for 2021 and 2022 at prices that... that were higher than where they were in 2019. In fact, more than 70% of pre-COVID cruisers have said that they would cruise again. China, where the virus is largely now under control and the economy has rebounded, has domestic air travel air travel nearly returned to pre-COVID levels. US airports have recorded nearly 4 weeks of 1 plus million daily passengers. American airlines the the company has said that their spring bookings are now at 90% of 2019 levels. United Airlines said it will be hiring hundreds of pilots to keep up with its increased demand. However, we need to remember these numbers don't include the business travel, which accounted for 60-70% to 70% of all air travel. Along the same growing trends, though, U.S. hotel demand is now the highest it has been since the pandemic. So, we can conclude that much of the economic normalization is now occurring. Some analysts have referenced what we saw in the roaring 20s as being a parallel for the 2020s. That would be super nice. There is an indicator that is used to express how much an economy grew by each year or is expected to grow. It is referred to as the GDP or the gross domestic product of a country. In 2020, the U.S. GDP fell by 3.5%, Canada's fell by negative 5.4%, and Japan fell by 4.9%, and the Eurozone fell by 6.6%. The predictions for 2021 are that the U.S. is expected to grow by 6.6%, Canada by 5.4%, Japan by 2.7%, and the Eurozone by 4.3%. In fact, JP Morgan has the U.S. economy growing by 8% this year. That is a number that the U.S. has not seen since the 1950s, and if you did not see last week's report in the U.S. that the U.S. was expected to add about 660 jobs for the month of March, that number was actually above 900,000. Economists predict that the U.S. could start adding 1 million plus jobs monthly pretty soon, and Canada will see proportionally similar numbers here. It is rather incredible that after the worst quarterly GDP drop in history from a year ago to the possibility of an 8% growth in such a short period of time is simply unprecedented. We have to thank the governments for acting quick and decisively by pumping vast amounts of money and other me- measures into the system. I wanted to close out my commentary portion by mentioning that you will probably see a lot of news. On inflation in the coming weeks. Remember, it was about a year ago that the world basically stopped and oil traded below zero dollars. Remember that? So, any set of numbers that show year over year increases that are from March to March or April to April will have to be bigger than usual. Just don't read too much into it. Remember, growth and increased spending themselves don't necessarily cause inflation, and neither do government budget deficits. Inflation is too much money chasing too few goods. It will be the job of the central bankers to manage the rise in spending that is about to happen. It has to happen without there being a constraint on goods to buy. If businesses are not comfortable producing new products, then you have too much money chasing too few goods. I don't think any government wants to see that happen. But governments will eventually want to apply the brakes a bit. They will do this by raising interest rates and raising taxes. Those actions in themselves stimmy growth and could fuel inflation. The central banks and governments know this and hopefully will tread carefully in the years to come. In the meantime, the economy is booming. To close out, my quote for today is from retired Dennis Gartman, one of my favorite writers. He often noted, a market that doesn't react bearishly to bearish news isn't bearish. Here's our corny dad joke of the week. Why do seagulls fly over the ocean? Because if they flew over the bay, we'd call them bagels. Thanks for listening today. Talk to you soon. Call us anytime with your questions or comments. My number is 416-725-9133. And Austin's number is 416-709-7879. This is Asif Khan signing off. Be well and have a wonderful weekend. Hello, are you still listening? Well, thanks for sticking around. I recently learned of a furniture store called Restoration Hardware. Their stuff is very nice. So for something to do, my wife and I went to Yorkdale Mall a couple of weeks back to visit it. It's the only one here in Canada. We were looking for a new sofa and some dining chairs. After looking at the price tags, at the price tags I decided I wasn't going to buy. Ouch. However, I highly recommend that you visit their four-floor showroom. Definitely something to do when the lockdowns are over. We had a gift given to us recently at the house. It was a box of chocolates. My 12-year-old daughter ate more than half of them. And she said to me, Dad, these God of Us chocolates are just so good. And my eldest daughter was in a business pitch competition with Enactus Canada at Ryerson University. Her group won the pitch and have received seed money to start this new business of theirs. The business is to help small podcasters monetize their podcasts. Let's see what she can do with my podcast. Take care. All the best.